Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak your word to us, that we would hear your word, and it would bear fruit in our lives all to your honor and glory. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Please be seated, and as you're being seated, would you turn with me to John chapter 12, which was just read a moment ago. John chapter 12, which is page 899 in the Red Bibles. John chapter 12. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. I think that's a good life motto, by the way. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. This is the request made by some foreigners who come wanting to meet Jesus. And this request initiates Jesus giving an extended teaching that his hour has come, that it's time for him to suffer and be crucified for us. And knowing that it's time, the time has come, here we go, he tells his followers that he's going to the cross. He gives them a heads up of what's coming. He says that he will be lifted up, and that's, they immediately know that means he's lifted up on the cross to be crucified. Now that makes absolutely no sense to them whatsoever, that God incarnate would be crucified. And so they ask him, knowing this makes no sense at all, they ask him in verse 34, how can this be? If you are who you say you are, the Son of Man, the Christ, God's Messiah, the promised King, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, if you are that one, Jesus, you can't be crucified. But Jesus then tells them that this death is no accident. This is, in fact, God's plan to bring about the salvation of the world. And so this morning, on this Holy Cross Sunday, we're going to look at what Jesus specifically says about the cross here in this passage. Specifically, we're going to look at three results that he says come as uh, because of the cross. Three things that the cross accomplishes his death on the cross accomplishes for us. So three things that we'll look at together today. And the first is this. Because Jesus was lifted up on the cross, the world is judged. The world is judged. Look at verse 31. Jesus, speaking about his coming crucifixion, that's what he's talking about in this passage, he says to them at the beginning of verse 31, now... Now that I'm about to go to the cross, now is the judgment of this world. In the cross, God is passing judgment on the evil and sin of the world. Now you think about it, the people at the crucifixion thought they were passing judgment on Jesus on the cross. In that farce of a trial that they put him through, they thought they were passing judgment on him at the cross, but in reality it was he who was passing judgment on them. The evil and the sin of the world and the evil and sin of our human hearts was being laid bare at the cross. It's being named for what it is, it's being called out and judged by our holy and righteous God. In the cross... The sin of the world is judged. Now in our modern Western culture, we tend to think of judgment as inherently 
a bad thing. Much of the rest of the world doesn't think that way, but we do. But the Bible speaks of God as judge as a tremendous good. If you read Psalm 98, which we read already today, if you read Psalm 98 among many other places, the, the fact that God is judge and that God will come to judge the world is a cause for joyous celebration. Because when God judges the world, the evil of this world does not win. It will not be allowed to go on because God is judge. God puts an end to the evil of this world. God will not allow the evil and sin and death and destruction and this vile evil that we cause to win in the end. He does not sit passively by allowing evil to reign. He steps in and judges it for what it is. He is judge and that is a very good thing. And judging the world means that our sin is laid bare and we are judged. The cross means that you and I are totally and completely caught in our sin. The cross means that God sees your sin. And on the cross, God passes judgment on our sin. And either we hold on to it ourselves, in which case the judgment of God falls on us, or we trust in Jesus hanging on the cross and He takes our sin upon Himself, bears the judgment in Himself, and gives us His righteousness instead, which we receive in faith. The cross is the judgment of God on the world. And for those who are in Christ, who trust in His work for us, that judgment is in fact the greatest freedom and joy for us. For in it, our Lord takes our sin upon Himself and clothes us in His righteousness. May we all turn to Him in faith so that His judgment on the world may be cause for celebration and not fear and trembling. Because Jesus was lifted up, the world is judged. Second, because Jesus is lifted up on the cross, the ruler of this world is cast out. Amen? Verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Now in a few places in the New Testament, Satan, the devil, is described at least temporarily as the ruler of this world. That is, until Jesus defeats him on the cross. On the cross, it is Jesus who appears to be defeated. He's dying a criminal's death on the Roman cross of shame, but in it, Jesus is being exalted, lifted up in that sense, defeating sin and death and Satan and being enthroned as king. And there can be only one king. As Jesus is lifted up and enthroned on the cross, so too Satan was dethroned, was being defeated. There was a church leader in the 4th century named Athanasius who loved this picture of dethroning Satan on the cross. And he likened it to a champion coming into the enemy's home turf and defeating him in his home arena. And so Jesus 
comes to earth, comes into our world. Well, the Bible has spoken of Satan as the ruler of this world. Jesus coming into the enemy's turf. Jesus is hoisted up into the air. And the Bible speaks of Satan as being the ruler of the air. And so he just loves this image of Jesus coming into what temporarily belongs to the enemy. Coming into his home field, home turf, and defeating him there. He dies the most horrific and shameful death that the ancient world had to offer. He came into the enemy's arena, took the best or the worst that the enemy had to throw at him, and rose victorious so that there is no enemy left anymore. In the cross, Jesus defeats the worst the enemy had in his arsenal. And in the victory of the cross, Jesus is enthroned, and therefore the enemy is dethroned. And so, friends, live as those who are joined to that rightful king. Leave your sin behind, that which Jesus freed you from on the cross. Live no longer for yourselves, but for him who is enthroned as king on high. Because Jesus was lifted up, he is enthroned as king. And that old ruler of this world is cast out. And third, because Jesus was lifted up on the cross, he will draw all people to himself. Look at verse 32. He says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Back in verse 19, you can let your eyes glance back. This is just before our reading from today. Back in verse 19, the Pharisees actually complain that the whole world has gone after Jesus. And then in verse 20 to 23, some Greeks, and the term used doesn't necessarily mean someone from Greece, but really is a Bible term for describing anybody who's not Jewish, um, from the Greek-speaking world, essentially saying a Gentile. A foreigner comes wanting to see Jesus, and that moment of complaining the whole world has gone to see Jesus, followed by someone from a different part of the world coming to see Jesus, triggers this announcement by Jesus that his hour has come. Because of the cross, Jesus will start drawing people from all nations to himself. Now this is not universalism. Universalism is the idea that every single individual will be saved. Uh, context here in this passage, but also what Jesus has to say throughout, what the New Testament has to say throughout, makes it very clear that this is not saying that each individual person will automatically be saved without exception, but rather that all kinds of people without distinction, Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor from all races and nations and languages and tribes are drawn to Jesus. Jesus is not just king of Israel, but of the whole world. And here we see foreigners coming to Jesus as a sign that his time has come, that he is drawing people from all over. He's drawing all sorts of people, all people to himself, people from all over the world. And as Jesus is lifted up in crucifixion and in glory, he draws, to, draws us to himself and saves us. Now, earlier in John's Gospel, back in chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 14, 
the crucifixion is likened to something that God did a whole bunch of years ago in the Old Testament. In the time of Moses, God punished his people by sending poisonous snakes into the camp, but he provided a way for them to be saved. And so Moses, leader Moses, was uh, made a bronze snake and lifted it up so that anyone that came to and looked to and touched would be saved. And so John, picking up on that, says, uh, writes in chapter 3, verse 14, And as Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man, so much must Jesus be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so in the Old Testament, the result of the Israelites' rebellion and sin against God brought judgment, but God provided a way out that they could be saved and live. And in the same way, our sin brings judgment, but God has provided a way to be saved and live. And the cross draws people to Jesus that we might be saved. This gruesome cross of shame has for us become the cross of joy because through it Jesus has drawn people from the whole world to himself that we might be saved and we can know the true salvation from sin and death that only comes through Jesus and his cross and his resurrection salvation made possible by our Lord who was hoisted up on the cross for us and in Christ we draw near to God himself I want to offer you today one specific way to live out this life as those drawn by Jesus to himself, to his salvation. Of course, there could be others, but I want to offer this one today. Jesus is speaking of drawing people to himself. And so my encouragement and challenge for you is to live that out by physically drawing near to Jesus by worshiping faithfully together at church. Draw near physically together. There is something about physically coming together and then physically actually coming forward, approaching the cross, approaching the table, receiving from Jesus. There is something about physically doing that that draws us spiritually to him more and more. And when Christians think that we can draw near to God in spirit without drawing near physically, we end up getting very mixed up. God is always calling his people together to worship. And when we do not draw near to worship faithfully, we always find ourselves drifting away from God in spirit as well. This is, for example, part of why we've begun a new Wednesday noontime Eucharist service to provide yet another opportunity for us to come to the cross and come to Jesus in worship together, to be drawn to Jesus again. I also want to encourage you to lean in together, to draw into the cross together, while we as a church are going through a staff transition, while we await 
the man that God is calling to be our new associate pastor that will be joining the team here. We don't know who that is. We're actively pursuing that, uh, but we don't have someone lined up quite yet. And the reality is that transitions can be challenging. Anytime something changes, the, the temptation is to just step back just a little bit. But the fact is that the devil will use any reason he can to get people to step back and move farther away from the cross, away from the church, away from Jesus. Don't let him do that. Lean in extra in transitions and come more faithfully. Don't let the enemy convince you that you don't really need to because you do. Because Jesus came to draw you to himself. Don't let anyone convince you that you don't need to draw near to Him. And that includes physically drawing near in worship. Lean in with everything you've got. Drawing near to the Lord who was crucified on the cross in order to draw you to Himself. And so friends, let us join with the Greeks who came asking to see Jesus. And let us draw near to Jesus being saved from the judgment of this world and those who reject the cross, knowing that Jesus is enthroned as king and that the enemy has been dethroned both in the heavenlies but also in our lives and hearts, and knowing that through the cross and through his resurrection, Jesus has drawn us to himself. And so let us lean in together and physically draw near to the cross, draw near to our Lord in worship, doing absolutely everything we can to come closer and closer to our Lord, who in love draws us to Himself. And may our heart's prayer be in the words of verse 21. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Amen.